Welcome, travelers. I'm Josh. I'm Glenn. And I'm Lee Wanika. And this is Tabletop Journeys, where we will be your humble guides on the quest to RPG adventures. Here at Tabletop Journeys, we are all devoted role players and storytellers at heart, and we absolutely love sharing our passion with you. In our main podcast episodes, we discuss D&D 5e's core rules and ever-expanding content, while also showcasing other RPG systems and bringing you fresh, new projects from indie content creators. Let us help you get the most out of your story, no matter what game world you're playing in, because detailed settings, heroic characters, vibrant NPCs, and a focus on story over rules can make any campaign legendary. Here's a message from friends of the show. Hi there, this is Mike Daniel from 19 Hits the Dragon, a discussion podcast where I sit down with some of my favorite creators in the tabletop RPG space and talk about various aspects of the games we all love to play and be big nerds about stuff in general. Maybe we'll edit that out, who knows? Ah, I have chills. If you spend 40 minutes trying to get as much info as you can out of that one guy at the bar, who clearly has nothing to yep. say. I know how to talk. It's something that I do all the time. God, Michael, what are you doing? Um, At face value, that statement sounds really shitty. I get that. <laughs> but I mean, I'm already think, getting them to think there's a, a reptilian guy about four and a half feet tall with sharp teeth and, and a little dagger who goes, I'm going to get you. You know, um, and while the voice sells it a lot, yeah, like, uh, I'm brooding in the corner. I won't talk to anyone. Like, well, you're getting left yeah, behind because uh, the, the, the <laughs> castle's under attack, and if you're not going, sorry, right. bud. Uh, oh, you're finally awake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, we, we don't know anything about going off topic here at 19 It's the Dragon, always staying on topic, always. So. I said yeah. a lot of bad words when I when you lost me. So. Uh-oh. <laughs> So join me and my guests every two weeks for insightful tips, tricks, and traps for players and GMs alike. Uh, We'll see you all there when 19 hits the dragon. everybody to today's episode so we are with you today to go ahead and talk about the latest news the latest drop from wizards of the coast concerning D fifth edition but before we dive into tonight's episode and it's going to be a beefy one mr myers mr miller good evening i hope that you are both well down in the uh, probably hotter than maine state of connecticut it is Wait, did you just say the main state of connecticut as opposed to the, the secondary state of connecticut the main I don't know what I just said. Who knows? Hotter that, than Maine, state of Connecticut, than, is what than you Maine, said. But your, your enunciation yeah. did not contain the comma. It was confusing. <laughs> it threw me off a bit, too. Yeah. But it was hot as this new Wonders of the Multiverse UA. It is. Off the presses, even. Hot off the presses. Without any further ado, I think we dive right into this, this bad boy because there's an awful lot to discuss in the new 
Unearthed Arcana for 2022. Twelve pages. Stop everything. No. Uh Oh, it Uh is important that we talk about something on air, even though by the time this airs, it'll be a week and a day later. That's true. And I think it is important that we mention this. I'm actually posting it to a bunch of pages as we're recording because it is that important. It is today, today, July twenty first, twenty twenty two. Magical day for tabletop. We crossed fifteen thousand downloads earlier today. A huge accomplishment. And honestly, everybody out there listening, we obviously, without any understatement, could not have done it without you. It would take Uh, us a really long time to listen to (laughs) fifteen thousand episodes on our own between the three of us. Exactly. Thank you, everybody out there that that gives us the validation and gives us the your ears and your time and everything like that. Because boy, this show is a whole lot more fun to do when you know that other people are enjoying it also. Do thank you. It's a huge milestone, a huge accomplishment, and we are just absolutely pleased as punch to have got there. And thank you for our patrons. You absolutely. all make this possible. Yeah. Almost everything we do is made possible because the, of the patrons. They choose yep. to give to us because... They like what we do. They support us as people. They support us as content creators. Uh, And because of that support, it has given us opportunities and chances to do some amazing things, meet amazing people, talk with fantastic creators. The likelihood of me ever being able to speak to folks as cool as City Lowry, Hannah Rose, James James Picasso is pretty slim other than me getting a ticket to a big con and catching them there by chance not that they wouldn't talk to me if i did because they're amazing people and they absolutely would but the ability to say hey would you come up on our show and talk to us these three schmoes as we uh, kind of <laughs> bits about cool stuff that and fun times that we like to have and yeah, the yeah. fact that they said yes is pretty amazing and we would have never had those opportunities were it not for our patrons so thank totally you very agree. much for our patrons Anybody out there, if you do want to join our Patreon site and help out the show and help us do even more and better things the rest of this year and into 2023, I didn't even get to play some games with the three of us. We There's some cool stuff there. We'll talk more about that later. Again, sorry for the interlude. We're here to talk UA. Let us dive in here to this beefy 12-page Unearthed Arcana article that just came out within the last week, The Wonders of the Multiverse UA, and there is just a ton in here. I would say that they have taken a cue from three very talented writers in their own regard and putting out a product with like backgrounds and feats and spells and creatures and sub. It's almost like they took multiversal inspiration from three, three very inspired writers. There is a there's a lot in here. Yeah. I would actually say they may even have like our offices bugged or mind readers <laughs> camped outside our houses because I know. One of the powers and one of the elemental feats is very close to a feature in one of the subclasses that we've written yeah, coming out it, in our upcoming Kickstarter, yeah. Um, so it, there's, I read that there's one and I was like, hey, that's my power. I wrote that. Exactly. It, it's like the great composer Stravinsky said. Good composers borrow, great composers steal. No shame, no shade. Good writers are in good company. He also says, hey, we're really starting to tap into the pulse of how this whole thing is operating. Exactly. That's actually, in all fairness, that's more of what I go ahead and take from it is that even though the multiverse itself is infinite, there are certain themes that come up over and over again. And I think that we're all successfully tapping into that. The UA kind of has the same kind of uh, 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 character creation bit that has appeared in all the UAs here. 
subtle tweaks here and there, but nothing really to go ahead. But that's pretty much boilerplate at this point. The first thing that I wanted to talk about, though, was the new new player race at the beginning, the Glitchling, which I thought narratively super cool. I thought the whole, like, magic, mystical, mechanical, dragon-type creature was was just really neat. It read to me like Johnny Five from from Short Circuit. Like I, it was, I thought that it, it was amazingly fun. They got the little quirks, got the roll table for the quirks and everything like that. Mechanically, I thought that it was weaker, but I thought narratively super strong, super fun. See, I don't think it's that weak mechanically either. It's got your armor plating ability of fourteen plus your dex. That's um, pretty tight. That's higher than the twelve you get for the feet of Dragonhide if you're already Dragonborn to increase your armor class to 12. The Tortles is higher at 17, but you can't wear armor. Yeah, can't wear armor with this either. If you wear armor, your natural armor goes away. But you also don't get your dex modifier or anything else on it. You just get your armor class, period. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Yeah, um, yeah, and that's, that's, what, that's, that's where I was going with, because I was reading this going, ooh, monk. Yeah. But right, AC yeah. 14 plus your dex and your wisdom... Yeah, is gonna get gonna be is gonna get yeah. pretty solid. Balance chaos is pretty hot too. Balance, Balance chaos, chaos is basically the if you roll less than a ten, you can treat it as a ten. That's that 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 power. The old take ten ability from three point exactly it doesn't do much for you early, but eventually could yeah. become a yep. solid ability. Auto pretty, pretty decent. But advantage on wisdom insight checks all the time is hot. It is hot. Yep, because insight's probably the most rolled skill. Insight and persuasion are the most two. Uh, Two rolled skills. The two most rolled skills in the game. Thank you guys for going the mechanical route because I took this a totally different way. I was thinking narratively as it fits into the role playing landscape. And I love love the evolution. I envision either a crew on a spell jammer or a team where you have an artificer, you have a warforge, you have a glitchling, you have a (laughs) tinker gnome, you might even have some regular kind of gnome. Yep. A construct from. from the Van Richten's book, yeah. Yeah. Somebody is going to be playing a clockwork sorcerer, and I thought one of these as a clockwork sorcerer with some of the feats we'll talk about later, yeah. that combination is hot. And they could literally yeah. be a team from Mechanis that's out to bring order to some chaotic thing or find some rogue. Yeah. Or this could be a group of antagonists where yep. you basically have them dealing with the party because somebody escaped. Maybe your player plays a clockwork sorcerer or something like that, but somebody who left where they were supposed to be, which is disorderly, disorganized, and this could be a retrieval team. There is so much narrative juice that that really gets amped up with this class or this totally great. Yeah, love the love the flavor. From a player's perspective, too, as a role player, I'm actually excited to play a glitchling specifically because of the way that they're described. They didn't go the way of the much-debated Kenku with implying that they are limited in their language, but they do give them a super cool, interesting role-playing perk if you choose it. Glitchlings begin their existence with rudimentary personalities. As they absorb information and experiences, they grow. Basically, they evolve. This is data. That's the part that reminded me of Johnny Five. It took me to Spelljammer 2. This is Android from Dark Knight. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Data is a great one. Another great uh, parallel here. 
and, so and, much fun. And you can choose if you're comfortable playing a intelligent but super naive and new to the real world yeah. and non and logic only character until you grow and you want to role play that arc and yep. you feel up to it. That could be amazing. Yeah. But if you don't, that's cool. You play a glitchling that started starts his adventuring path two years after he left home, right. and he's already got his personality going a little bit. It's just there's so much stuff you could do with it. It's awesome. And, I, I even and, thought and the, the orderly quirks yeah, are right. amazing. My favorite is I preface things I say with short descriptions, such as observation, interjection. Mind you, that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and what's it, what I love about this, and this is where I think Glenn might be, our officers may be bugged. We have one of our players in the actual play I ran two months ago. It's yet to air where he played a Warforge and he was doing this. And <laughs> it is pretty freaking impressive. Okay, nice. that's it. Had see, me. That's it, like it, spooky. It Kudos, Adam. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. The, the last thing that I'll say about it, I actually thought that the incomplete ability to fly, I thought was a really neat thing also. Like they could have yeah. just given this creature flight and they chose not to. They gave him odd modified version of flight and i thought that that was just neat it's just a it's just a good idea it's just it makes it a little different it gives it a little bit of the benefit but also kind of tempers it a little bit and i thought that was worth let's move on to the next bit and this is the cleric subclass the fate domain which again some parallels perhaps to a, a domain of prophecy that has been uh, has been tossed around a little bit here Stuff has been tossed around. Wasn't that straight up on the list of stuff in the Kickstarter? Was uh, it is in the Kickstarter? That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. One of the names that was on the list for that. We just thought it was too bland. (laughs) Yep. Yep. (laughs) Ouch. My bad. Let's be total. Let's be totally honest. Also, mechanically, they are wildly different. So there is no mechanical parallel to this whatsoever. Uh, For the sake of clarity, I believe that there was one general concept we want somebody who's talking about the future and we found two different roads to get to that end and i think we've done it very well in our case and i think wizards has also done it very well in their case they are two very different things and i think it would be actually cool to have our cleric of prophecy standing next to their cleric of fate and they can either be different deities or they can be the same deity and yeah. they're just two different approaches with two different well, kinds of powers and i think that would be awesome fate and prophecy are both things that can be divined but they are different there is an yeah. intrinsic like difference between something that's fated a fixed event and prophecy for predicting those events well, it's two yeah. things this guy senses it last minute we see a little bit more ahead or vice versa you never know but the thing that, that struck me most about this clerical subclass is that the powers that it has and the way its progression moves it's just really neat it's just really interesting right from the very beginning with ties that bind in particular like i thought the omen's importance was fine that was a good solid power not a whole bunch to go ahead and write home about on that one, but if you look at ties that bind, you can temporarily tie your fate to others as an action. Mm. You can touch one object, and then while the target is bound to you and on the same plane of existence, you can sense the direction of the target's location and the direction of its movement and if it's in motion. So it's like that whole like connection, which makes me almost wonder if the fate domain isn't quite right because it's more about I as the cleric am connecting or communing with you as other object, other creature, other something. And now we have an inseparable connection. And so I think I'm not sure that fate is necessarily the right name, but I thought that those kinds of powers were interesting. <laughs> so I like ties that bind and call it and fate. I'm going to just jump in there real quick because 
to me, it does fit narratively. Like when you create that tie that binds, it's not just about sensing their direction. The final part of it is what really brings it back to fate. You're yeah. directly tying yourself, tethering yourself to someone so you can influence their fate directly. Because yeah. at that point, any healing or damage you deal to the target forward receives yeah. an extra D6, right? Yep. So for a bad for guy, it's going to take him yeah. down faster faster yeah because it doesn't have to just be an ally for an ally it's a healing focus just yeah. like in the warcraft or another mmorpg where the healer can actually set a focus on the tank so they don't have to constantly switch targets and come back yeah. to them yeah but they get a little bit of extra boost that's hot yeah and it's definitely it definitely still plays into fate but yeah you could work with different names yeah. for it yeah well, i found that that bit was, and I'll let you go in just a second, Leonika, uh, just real quickly. I thought that, that was interesting where it was one of those things that if I cast a spell to, that does damage or heals my target, that they get an extra D6 because it lasts for an hour. I'm not sure how long. So an hour feels too long because I'm not sure that there's ever going to be a situation where you would be healing someone 60 minutes apart because it's not, it's not, as a cleric, it's not like you're getting like, I don't know. The hour time frame seemed weird, but I'm not sure what other time frame you would put on it. So, so the hour time frame is because of the first part. It's the second part that makes that seem weird, but it's uh, not yeah, as yeah, relevant yeah, yeah. to the no, second part. No, you're right. Part. Yeah, because of the directionality. But then if they've been kidnapped and taken off with, when you find them, hey, you can heal them. Sorry, yep. Leewinica. What I was going to say is it, it allows for a certain thing. Like someone's Holmes is going to go into the big brawl. We don't know how long it's going to take. I'm thinking Stream to Spiro. They get into the fight. They go in there. They Somebody needs to be able to do something soon. Might as well get this ready to go. It's a preparation type thing. If things go bad, and I expect them to go bad, we want to be covered. It had some combat ramifications and implications, and I thought that was neat. Generally, when you think of clerics, of fate, of prophecy or whatever, you don't necessarily think of combat effectiveness other than, oh, they get to reroll a die, and it's just another version of Lucky or something like that. And I really like the fact that was not how they did this. And this does have some direct combat stuff. You already talked about the sixth level feature. I like the eighth level feature. May not sound like much, but that extra four points of damage on any cantrip, which are scaling anyway, yep. is pretty hot. You're not getting low damage. If you roll badly on, on yeah. a cantrip for the damage, guess what? You're still yeah. going to do some reasonable damage yeah. because eighth level, you're probably doing 3D. That works well. I think that fits. And I like it at 8th because I wouldn't have wanted to wait for that 6th level power till 8th. And I'm yeah. glad they didn't put it at like 17, which would have been stupid and a waste of yeah. time. Agreed. So I think you get it at the point where it is most yep. useful. And that's pretty good. I like that ability that they've started adding into clerics. I think it should come at 6, personally. I think 8 is late for getting just an extra 4 points, and that's it for the whole feature. But I do like it. Sure. I think mean, would be hot. As I, a, I just don't think you add this and the ability for this particular subclass at the same time at six. So would right. it be better at six? Probably yes. Measurably yes. But yeah. I wouldn't want to kick that ability to eight to do that. Insightful striking is hot. It might be more appropriate at eight than at six. See, I actually, so I actually thought that again. Uh, so it's interesting that you thought that I was talking about the six level power earlier, Luna, because I, like I wasn't talking level. about the six level power. I was talking about the first level power that virtually does the same thing. And that's where I'm coming from on this is that there are, it goes back to the well too many times where it's, I can designate one target and then my connection is just to that target and all of my powers now benefit that target alone. It's 
that's an odd mechanic. So the powers are good, and the powers are actually pretty powerful. And I think that's why we're feeling like that six level power might be better placed at eight. But the fact mm-hmm. that it's only one target, so even at six level, as a bonus action, I can choose one creature. So now, if I want to go ahead and change, now I need to burn another bonus action, and the benefits aren't so significant that it's worth like only giving it to you for one round and then Liwanika for the second round, right? So, it's like. Yep. So I kind of want to keep it for their a while. best. Hear, power. hear me on this one, then. Take that six level ability. Add this caveat. Add a second target at eighth level and a third target at seventeen. So now it scales. That gap is way too big. Eight to seventeen is a big gap anyway. It's always yeah. seemed weird. It always has. Better. It always has, seemed has weird. a stupid gap <laughs> that I don't like. I've talked at, yeah. ad nauseum about the fact yeah. that everybody should get their subclass features at the same time and they should be spaced yeah, yeah. more evenly. I'm not going to jump right. down that right now. Right. Uh, I also don't like I get the power at six and then I get an additional use of the power at eight. That feels too it's fast. Too close. Again, yeah. the subclass is set up for all clerics too close, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Six and eight are too close. Do we uh, like six and ten. seventeen? There's no tier three cleric ability. Yeah. Yeah. yeah they, they get so much three. more because they start at level one. Yeah. I would prefer to see something in tier three. And that's what yeah. it's missing. It's missing a yeah. tier three thing. I think I think that's gets. what bothers us about it too. It's because it starts so early. That's part of it. But we've missed what, in my opinion, is the arguably best feature for them. Strands of Fate. Their channel divinity of Strands of Fate. Yeah. And it 100% fits the Fate motif. Absolutely. They nailed it with this one. Yep. For a minute, for one minute, as long as they can concentrate. Yep. As a reaction, they can apply advantage or disadvantage. To any check to their target, yeah. Any attack roll or ability check. Yeah. For an ally, yeah. for an opponent, for the big bad. Does it say saving throws too? It says attacks nope. and ability checks. So it excludes saving, saving throws, throws, which is just, fine. Yep. Just fine. For a second it's level ability, I think enough. that's fine. Yeah. And I also thought too, that was the note that I wrote about that. I think, because I think you're absolutely right. It is probably the most well-written power in this subclass. The thing that I noted about that was what a fantastic use of an existing mechanic in a new application. Because clerics and concentration are not something you normally need to worry about. However, right. in this case here, I mean, from time now to time, it depends on which is not an instant. Right? But in this case, being able to keep concentration, again, mechanically and flavorfully sounds, sounds right. It's that whole, I can go ahead and influence you, but I need to go ahead and keep concentration on you to do it. It's really, that hit home for me. The only thing I'd like to see better about it, and it's the one beef that I have with clerics as a class in general, is that since Channel Divinity is their main feature, if it has the ability to, it should scale in some fashion. It should scale. Most of them do. Undead turning turns into destroy. So this one could, at say, 8, when we just get that plus 4 bonus just to beef up level 8 a little bit, increase the duration to 2 minutes. Yep. Or I mean, increase the number of targets. Or, yes. You keep well, targets with your proficiency bonus or something like that. Except as it, since it's a reaction, it can only be one target. That's a, it's, a, it's a bonus action for you to go ahead and commune with them. As a bonus action, you can enter the state for up to a minute until you lose your concentration. So you could right. still use your bonus action to enter the state, but use uh-huh. your proficiency bonus to, touch more, to, to keep that connection with more than one person. You don't have to touch anybody. I, I, I meant me, mentally. I meant like mentally touch, not like... Not, what not, I mean not by physically. that doesn't work as a reaction is because even if you give me the ability to affect three, only one acted triggering my reaction. Oh, yeah. I see so what you're he's saying. the only one I can one target. reaction per round. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you'd have to increase the duration. That's the only way. And I know oh, that... It's not useful. 
because combats don't usually last longer than 10. Yeah. But when they do, then it become then at least it gives it something. That's still, you're right, it's lackluster because it's rare yeah. that combat goes more than 10 rounds. I would think that the answer to that would be to up the ante and go ahead. Give and, them saving throws and too. Eight, and add saving throws. Yep, that works too. Yeah, we were going to the same place. At eighth level, toss in a reroll yeah. for initiative and saving throws. Done. So as a brief aside then, because I think that this opens up an interesting target, and I think this is going to be something that we're going to see as we continue to progress through the remaining nine pages of this UA in the second half of this episode. I know that this is UA, and I know that this is playtest material, and I know mm-hmm. that this is not its final version, but there are a lot of things in this document that I think fit the same sort of thing that we're talking about, where it's like, boy, it's really cool, and it's just missing a little bit of something. It's missing a little bit of sauce or a little bit of spice to go ahead and really make it like over-the-top great. And I'm not sure how to apply the spice I feel it needs. I'm not sure what mechanics in the toolbox I can put on this to go ahead and really make it cool. It's something that I wrote down numerous times. Like It's just missing a little something, and I'm not sure how to give it the something that it's missing. So that will be something that comes up in my comments going forward. And I think we can workshop that as we go. We'll talk. I think at eighth, it makes it better. I don't know if it's the full answer, but add it, add initiative and add saving throws at eighth level. Oh, initiative would be hot too. Actually, just add those two at eighth eighth level. And then now you've covered everything. Initiative for one minute. It's a bonus action. So it's in action economy initiative is unlikely to go ahead and come up. So Mr. Miller, I'm going to give you the microphone here. Tell me first what you feel about this whole bonus feat thing at the beginning of the background section. I have said it before and I'll say it again. I dig it. I like backgrounds coming with feats. It harkens back to a 3.5 thing that they did first starting in the Forgotten Realms hardcover that came out at that time, which is basically you have areas or sections or regions where people come from and there's a feat for those regions. What they've done here is take the background mechanic that they do in 5e and add a feat. That's very much what they were doing in 3.5. They said, if you come from the Dale Lands, here are the feats that anybody from the Dale Lands can start with. Because yep. every character started with a feat, so they gave you a list that specifically spoke to the Dale Lands. And so if you're building a character, NPC or a character who comes from the Dale Lands, pick one of these feats, and voila, you have your flavor for the Dale Lands. That's effectively yep. what they're doing here. They're going back to that. And I think this is a much better way. I think when we get into the fact that I believe, and I strongly believe we're going to get to the point where feats are going to be separated from ASIs. I have a feeling that we're going to go there. And I've I heard the thought on that actually, but yeah. And, and everybody's going to start with a feat and everybody's going to get them at four and everybody's going to get them at certain levels. I think we're going to go back to feats happening for everyone, every class, every character at a certain interval that's fair across the board now fighters may still get extra ones they did in 3.52 and i think that works well now what does that do that means nobody will ever need to play a variant human again and that, i'm okay with that just play a human yep. if you want to play a human, just play a human. right because right? currently anybody who's playing a human they pretty much always pick a variant human because that is the only human worth playing mechanically in this game i think that's where we're headed and i like the feats the bonus feats at first level I am a fan. I like the background. I'll say it uh, as a whole. Uh, I think there will be other things we discuss individually, but as a whole, I like yeah. the backgrounds. I like the flavor in general that they give. And the fact that you get a choice of feats with a couple of them is really hot. You get a choice of starting feet for any of them. You can take any of these six. The one thing that I wrote about the bonus feats is that I like that they included tough 
because I may not buy tough, but if you're going to give it to me for free, I'll take it. Right. As a first right. level feat. Yeah. So Same my take skills, on the, by the way, the my take on the bonus feats is just this. We're changing horses in mid race. So it's going to create, it's expected. It's going to create yep. some hiccups. And you'll note that in here, they're already addressing that. They're saying that if your DM elects to allow one of these backgrounds with its bonus feet, then basically they're saying everybody else gets a bonus feat too if their background didn't come with one. Yep. To keep it fair for everyone. So clearly that is the direction we're headed. Yep. But at the moment, anybody that starts with a new background into an existing campaign, it's going to be a little bit because how do you address people that haven't had a bonus feat already for quite a while? I do. Um, probably. I like it. I just anticipate maybe some struggles at tables as they make the adjustment because some yep. pe people are going to like it and some people aren't. But it, for mine, it's easy because I think that the first level feet thing just adds more flavor and more versatility sure does, yeah. and more uniqueness to your character. That's why yep. the backgrounds we designed were starting to come out with feats in them. I don't know if you guys read the webcomic Order of the Stick. Uh, Order of the Stick was very much third edition based. As a se It started as a second edition based comic that was depicting a D&D &D campaign but it reminds me of when third edition came out they didn't they did an entire spread where the characters all leveled from second edition to third edition and all of a sudden had new abilities and the characters did the characters didn't know what was going on because they could all of a sudden all of a sudden they uh -huh. had feats and they had so it was done like comedically and funny but that's kind of how I feel about this it's like, yeah if I'm play, if I'm playing a character right now that didn't get a bonus feat at first and then all of a sudden I'm going to get one it'll be like okay, now I'm tough or now I'm skilled or now I can cast fire or like whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I've always been tough. I just used to be a bleeder. Exactly. Yep. All right. And about, my last piece, oh, yeah, which kind sorry, of plays on yeah. feats too, just really quick on that, because each one of these is the first key and a key or the first feat. Yes. The entry key, if you will, to a feat tree. Yes. And I think that's the direction feats are headed. It's the next topic as opposed to this one, but I think yeah. feats are headed towards a feat tree. Oh, yeah. But it must be. They've had feat trees now in three or four different UAs. Like, it, that's got to be where we're going. Actually, going I've back also no, seen four, if you big, go four, if you go back, three UAs and Strixhaven as a book, where it's actually already right. been done. Yep. There's also been a lot of indie yep. games and other games coming out that we've been exposed to lately that are having more than one advancement path as opposed to creating a fighter. Yeah. I'm yeah. wondering if in 6th edition we're going to see pull trees for advancement, but I'm not positive. Just throw that no. out there. So you're thinking more like no longer class-specific advancement where at a given level I pick up an ability here or there and I'm no longer a fighter or a rogue or a ranger? I don't think they'll give up their titles. I really don't. But I think that the feat system is going to move into kind of a tree-based thing like yeah. this where you're picking a tree in your abilities and trying to branch and follow them yeah. for a specific development part of your character. Because at this yeah. point, you've got three feats worth of material. For most characters, that's half yeah. their career. Yeah, yeah. Right. So that that's the direction we're headed. We're seeing bigger and bigger stacks. I think you're wrong, Glenn. What I think is you're going to find trees, if not three, at least two that are going to mirror a given class so that any other class can be their class that they start with and have a shade of rogue, a shade of fighter, right. a shade Multiclassing of light. Or okay. something to that effect. So I that's do a good way to describe it. We're going to see that. I think that's, that's 
why where feats are. I know feet at times we've gone back and plumbed older editions to find feats from various class features that are no longer in the game or old kits from second edition and things like that for that exact reason because that's where the features came. I think sure. some class features used to be kits or feats. And so plumbing those is exactly where we're going to get yep, those. Kit is a good word. That's yeah. the feeling that I'm getting is that our character generation is going to move more towards kit building and blocks as opposed to straight linear paths. Yep. Whatever that looks like. Exactly. Totally agree. Looking at the gate warden, so much flavor. So much flavor. This is Planescape all over it. And again, I sense so many different things that will be well done with this. Like you can go all kinds of routes with this planar feat. Planar infusion is a great feature as far as getting your feats. The yep. proficiencies make sense to me. You get languages, extra languages, which is cool because you are around people that come and go from variant places. The equipment makes sense. Uh, yep. And the personality traits, I could deep dive into the personality traits on all of these. And I found that to be really cool. The But the background I really loved the most, and then I'll toss the mic to, to, to the two of you to talk about some of the other ones. But I really loved the giant foundling. Like, I know the character I want to build. Yep. Love the way this works. I can think of so many different ways to do this. We've got all kinds of great feats. You could go the rune carver route. Not my choice, but I've got other ways that I would go. I actually have... I have a Goliath in mind that would follow a stone giant and goes back to the old set 3.5 races of stone where they had the Goliaths there. And I think that's where I would go. I can build a, a big epic yeah. character with a great story arc out of these, uh, out of these pieces here. Ah, welcome travelers. I see you have found your way. Welcome to the heroic subclasses of the Multiverse Kickstarter. Which are your favorites? Are you telling stories of political intrigue? Perhaps the Metropolitans are for you. Are your tales dark, mystical, and mysterious as the Shadow Dwellers themselves? Or are you out for high adventure? and want to take your ship to explore the lands of the boiling seas? Do you hear the call of the wild and want to dive into the Outlanders? Help us bring you these amazing subclasses, plus backgrounds, feats, adventures, and more. Fair time, friends, for Legends Await. to be a little contrarian for just a minute the giant foundling sounds really cool. it's written badly there's a sentence in the background that says so you something about your environment blah 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 ensured that you grew to a remarkable size right yeah and then later into the powers your remarkable size under the giant personality traits what I lack in stature, how can I be of remarkable size, still be medium, and have a quirk that says I lack in stature? Compared to a giant. And keep talking about your remarkable size and not give any kind of a feature that's going to have any impact on your size as well. well. But this right. isn't the final version. Yeah. Fair. Well, exactly. But, that's and that's, and that, again, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I, I, is I, have, that, like, I have a response. You know, but, they're not oh. going to let somebody that takes a background be large. That So that bit 
about my environment. But no matter how big you grow, if you grew up amongst giants, you would still have to have that attitude. You grew up big for your side, your kind of people, but even so, you were tiny. Yeah. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Uh, okay. That, that statement lacks the perspective clause. Yeah. Yeah. You lack in stature when you're surrounded by the giants that raised you. If you were a Goliath, and Goliath are as big as medium creatures get, seven to eight feet, you're pretty big when you stand among medium-sized creatures. You're right. quite large if you're around small creatures. Compared right. to a giant who's huge or large okay. or it's huge. All about the okay, maybe the, the, I hear that there's a subtlety in here. There's a subtlety. Did you read the last sentence of the flavor text, Josh? You were used the world to always feels to too a big. world much bigger than you. Yeah. And that is reflected in your skills, attitude, and perspective on life. Okay, so here, but here's what I don't get though is that how can I be, how, am I remarkable size or am I small for the people that I grew up around? Because well, both of those things can't be true, and it's it trying to be both things. You're remarkable size for your race, your heritage, your dwarfhood, your hobbithood, your halflinghood. Humanity. Your humanity, your goliathhood. But you're still little compared to a hill giant. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's about perspective. And I do think, to your statement, written badly, yes. The yeah. perspective clause should have been in each sentence, yeah. so nobody has that question. Because yeah. I guarantee a player <laughs> on some table in some city at some game store is going to question that. And they're going to be perplexed as to why can't I be large? Exactly. And, and that I, was exactly and how I felt. I think felt. it's actually there. Yeah. I just think they need the perspective clause in each sentence. But that's me yeah. as an English major. Totally agree with you. I loved like the essence of it. I just didn't think it was written. I love the fact that the planar philosopher sounds an awful lot like scholar planar <laughs> studies. Yep. A little Their bit. Their feature is very different because they used a feet that they built into a feet tree. But yeah, yeah definitely. We're thinking yeah. all down the same lines that they were thinking. Exactly. It's a, it, it is a flavor similarity. Like I can totally imagine a world where planar studies scholars and planar philosophers went to oak-lined libraries and smoked good cigars and drank good cognac with planar professors who wore jackets with leather elbows and things like that. I can imagine them being in the same circle and doing the same thing. Right. And you and got the having, philosophers having, who are talking about the concepts exactly. and the theories and the meta-ness and the, yeah. the scientists. And the like, You're thinking yeah. of it that way, and I'm thinking of Sonny and what's his name, Spader and Shatner sitting outside a law, the law offices smoking cigars. Boston Legal, yeah. Boston Legal. Yeah, yeah. That's where I went with it. But yeah. You're not wrong. Yeah. And, and honestly, here's the deal. You take a, if somebody's playing stuff out of this UA alongside our planar scholar automatically gets a feat. Now they take one of the same Scion feats. Good to go. Good to roll. They hang together yeah. perfectly and, yeah. and are well matched. So. Well done, Wizards. I think you did put it together a nice set of backgrounds. Yeah. I enjoyed them. I think there's some polish on the yet to come on the editing piece, but we know some great editors that you've worked with in the past. <laughs> Hope you're working with them when this one comes out. I have a sense you might, and I'm confident that we'll be happy with the way that rolls out. All right. One last thing on the backgrounds, and then we'll move on to the feats here. The rune carver background mm -hmm. is clearly derived from the rune crafter order of wizards from the original UA. So they, it's almost like, like power by power, 
it, there's a lot of similarities in there. So I suspect that that's where the origin. So I don't know if what we're seeing is a separation where you could be both, where you could have a rune crafter subclass and the rune carver background, or if this is a replacement or a rewrite or what. But that's clearly where with the rune cover background and then the feats that go along with it, they have taken the subclass and split it out into that. So that's where we saw the similarity. As I recall, so I about there were two more. different rune cover things that came up recently. So I think yeah. I think that they could go with one of them and not the other, and then use yeah, this to fill the gap on the one that they decided not to go with. I agreed. Sorry, Glenn, go ahead. As I thought about it more after the last time we talked about it, because the rune carver powers that are coming with the feats and things are much more direct spell-based versus the runic knight from the fighter subclasses. Yep. And it occurred to me that that actually doesn't contradict itself at all or take anything away from them. They're a fighter. That's where most of their training was focused. They only learned a few runes, the ones to help them with their martial ability. Yep. Versus somebody who was studying more rune crafting and diving deeper into the magic for it. So there's very much room for both of those to sit beside each other. And I'm interested to see where it goes. Agreed. And a fighter with their extra feats could take these and really round themselves out as a as a character class. They could make themselves a fighter mage by way of runes as yeah. opposed to by way of spells, which is actually kind of cool. hot if you're a runic yeah. knight. Yep. I can imagine like a goblinoid or an ogre fighter or a, like a like a barbarian that takes these and writes runes on his shield in blood like protection runes and stuff Mm -hmm. like that i see that character i absolutely see that character just think about this a fighter does not get history or perception actually they Mm. might get history but they don't certainly don't get perception so now you've got those they now get another set of artisan tools they now get an extra language like i said this rounds out that runic knight in, in a way that they have not been able to really be rounded and still yeah. adding to the runosity yep. totally that, right. that they are. That's my word for the day. In fact, I might have to play a rune carver background flavored as a giant foundling because that's where I learned my runic magic. And then you play a runic knight so you can get big. What about a... That's um, actually where I was going with my Goliath. So what about a glitchling rune carver that produces punch cards for a loom style computer i think that's just wildly fun that could be pretty awesome (laughs) yeah that'd be nice make him an artificer to really uh, yeah to use his runes he could have two slots on his chest one spits out a card you (laughs) stick it in the other one and that's what activates (laughs) input output slot Uh first he has to print what he wants to do and then he has to process the power should we be fighting now (laughs) query is it time for fisticuffs we've talked about the feats already conceptually but let's dive in here luanica you said this earlier you were talking about what does the way these feats are written suggest about what the what's happening in the evolution of D, right almost all of them had a for lack of a better term a naked asi right that like you get a plus one to any of your stats some of them were stat specific i have thoughts on that i still think that they are imposing the whole physical versus mystical stats a little too much separate issue. But I think you are absolutely right that they're going to separate feats and ASIs and they are no longer going to be tied together. And I wonder if ASIs are going away. They are still listing ASIs in these. They but just do it as your choice of any ability. I think that that the I think it's going to be you oh, get you a think feat. They're going to get rid of the get rid of the double ASI. Choice. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I don't And that think the only way you get an ASI is with a feat. 
I think they're going to there might be a feat that basically is take a double ASI as a feat. And then so technically, yes, they're getting the same thing. (laughs) Right. Same thing. It is the same thing, but it isn't, right? You take get rid of a whole lot set of lines at fourth level, or you get a feat. One of your feat options is personal growth. Now you get either a plus one and a plus one to two different stats, or you get a plus two to one stat. That's the feat. Like, why do they it. do that? That so would like, make why? it fit, but there's no need to change that. It isn't broke. There's no need to change everybody's right, right. mind. It gives them the ability to have their cake and eat it too, right? Now, feats are for everybody. They're no longer optional. You don't have to say feat or ASI. You just say, pick a feat. This is one of the feats. Right. Some people will choose to pick that feat. It's Some possible they clean it up in that direction. Yeah, you're and, right. It, to me, it's just, it's clerical cleaning up. So you mm-hmm. don't have, so you have a less conversation, especially for new players. Honestly, yeah. that's a lot easier okay. for new players. To- I'd like to keep the double ASI personally, because I don't always want a feat every time. Once I've taken what I need to make my character, sure. or what I wanted them to be, I don't just pick them up just because. Well, so at yeah, that point, I'd rather boost trees, my stats. With more complicated feat trees, though, is that going to change that? If, Correct. Like, you may not want one of the Scion feats, but <clears> if you want the fourth level feat, you've got to take the Scion feat first. Yep. You know? Exactly. And my thought is I don't always take them either, but I will often look for ones that at least fit that have a half ASI so I can get the half ASI. Do you guys have your D20s handy? I say we roll a D20 and see who gets to go ahead and talk about their favorite feat first. Because I suspect some of these are clear winners over the others. 19. 18. Oh, I got an 8. Mr. Myers, microphone's yours, sir. Yeah, Cardomancer's freaking awesome. That's the best feat. Does it do anything crazy for you? No, it doesn't make you Uber or anything, but it's so much flavor. And don't get me wrong, it's got good features. It does add to you. But basically, it lets a sorcerer, warlock, or wizard class begin to channel their magic through cards. You can become a stage musician, a magician. And you get card tricks where you can now cast your your prestidigitation cantrip. Prestidigitation. Yeah, said it. Cantrip <laughs> to create your illusions and effects through your cards in your performance without having to use. You can work yeah. the somatic and verbal components into it, and it's just it's hot. Yeah. So on top of that, you can use your cards as spell casting focus. When you do, you get an extra D4 damage on damage rolls for one roll of the spell, and the hidden ace basically is a spell store. When you finish a long rest, you can choose one spell that you know and imbue it into a card. You must have a casting time of one action, and the level must be less than or equal to your proficiency bonus. That's a yep. nice bad. That gets you up to that gets you up to a level six spell that you can yeah. hide into this. It I is, like the and, way they set up the scaling on that. That's the first yeah. time I've seen a spell storing item scaled yep. out, in my opinion. So yep. you yep. cast Fireball or Meteor Storm as a bonus action? Yeah. Oh, yes, right. please, and thank right. you. Because you can use the card as a bonus action. But all the way yeah. up to level six, though, you're yeah. getting, yeah. You can cast an action spell as a bonus action. That's the best thing about this class, uh, about this feat, totally, yeah. is that you can now change the action economy of your spells. Oh, yep. It may only be one, but gambit. you can choose that ace in the hole. Damn it. Absolutely. said the same thing, Lewanika. Yep. But you know what I have a problem with? No bard. This. Oh, yeah, that's an odd exclusion, I would think, for this streams needs to be a bard. You know what? You're not wrong. There definitely yep. should be a bard in that. And we should put that in our feedback and yeah. see if we can help encourage it to come out with bard when it comes out in its a- final absolutely release. Absolutely needs to be a bard. 
Yeah, because that's yep. a performance all day. Yep. I also thought that the way that they worded it, where prerequisite fourth level and sorcerer, warlock, or or warlock or wizard class, how does that factor into multi-classing too? My question is, it says you have to be fourth level, semicolon, a sorcerer, warlock, or wizard. So if you are a multi-class, do you have to be just a fourth level character with at least one level of sorcerer, warlock, or wizard? Or do you have to have four levels of sorcerer, warlock, and wizard? It's unclear. It is unclear. It 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 is is actually not not unclear. And the reason I say that is multi-classing rules apply here. And in the multi-classing rules... If you have something that is required of a class, you have to be the full amount of levels of that class. Unless it says per character level, it is not by character level. And that's multi-class. Leonika, you have the second initiative here. Why don't, uh, which one do you want to talk about? Pick one. I want to talk about the agent of order. And I love this. And I alluded to where I was going with this when I spoke about that group, when I talked about the glitchling and all Mm -hmm. those other mechanical things and the clockwork sorcerer. I loved the Agent of Order, and I really thought this fit in nicely with a character type that I play all the time, Tyrians, followers of Tyr, Lord of Law, Order, and all of that. Lord of Law and Order, yeah. I really Picking up thought, what's laying down now. That whole thing earlier is making sense with this. Yeah, I really could think of if you had a, an army or a squad or a team of folks, their job is retrieval. Think something like the ti- Time Cop. Except for yeah, now it's going yeah. to be order versus chaos type of situation. And I could see a unit of people with this background going in different ways, especially when you take on uh, different backgrounds that, that you yeah. might use. And then the different types of things, whether they be from mechanics, I could see a clockwork sorcerer. I could see all of those things I spoke about earlier fitting so nicely with this. And I want to play an agent of order. I could see an agent of order paladin as being the ultimate warrior of tier. Yep. <laughs> and totally. I, narratively, that, that is good sauce. Yeah. It's funny that you see paladin. I also see that there are, what was I just thinking of? Never mind. Got that. Cause I forget. But yeah, but I totally Claire. agree. I think that this is the TVA. It is. What's that yes. other show? The one, it was relatively recent, but it wasn't very long lived. It's like what they had. There was a technical MacGuffin that allowed them to pass back and forth through time, and bad oh, guy seven jumped back. Days. Seven. There's that one too. Actually, that's not the one I'm thinking about. But that's uh, this is a TV series. Where, like the bad guy jumps back to World War II, and then they have to follow him. And Legends of Tomorrow. It's like yeah. any number of shows. Like <laughs> where so they were all chaos. Right. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm well, thinking. There, of, it's like, cohort of chaos. And agents of chaos feet would be smoking hot. Also, so it is co- cohort of chaos. Yeah. Yeah. It's- Oh, that's, yeah. that's fair. That's and, right. yeah, and, yeah. These all come off of the sky on of the outer planes. After yeah. that, after you take the initial one, if you move up yeah. in the tree, you're choosing an outer plane, chaos, yeah. order. All right. So let's see here. Which one would I like to talk about? But you brought up Cohort of Chaos, and so I wanted to go ahead and mention a couple things about Co- Cohort of Chaos. I thought conceptually Cohort of Chaos was awesome. I thought that the whole thing where it's like it basically gets like this wild magic roll on a natural one or a natural 20 was amazing. I did not like that the chaotic flares were all things that could be good because it happens on natural ones. And I think that if you're really going to make the chaotic flares hot, there need to be some things that could be intentionally negative. And for example, I'm going to look at like Battle Fury, for example, right? So Battle Fury, if I roll a negative one and I and then I roll a two on my D4, 
A creature of my choice that I can see is filled with Reckless Fury. The creature has advantage on attack rolls and disadvantage on ability checks. So I have critically fumbled. And then, as a penalty for critically fumbling, somebody, an ally of my choice, gets advantage on everything. On attack rolls and ability checks. What sense does that make? The sense is this. Wizards of the Coast, in their esteemed vision has stated, for the record, they do not believe in critical fun. It is a thing well, that doesn't well. exist to them. We still play with it. She filled out a thing where, what, are, what is your favorite house rule? That was my number two house rule. And I almost put it in because it's so prevalent in my mind. I like critical fumble rules. But Wizards doesn't do that. So this is designed, in my estimation, specifically to reinforce they don't believe in critical fumbles. I think the better design would to turn this into this is what happens when you roll a natural 20. It's a single die roll. So statistically, any Same number chance. on it has an equal chance of coming up. Sure. The Oh, it's the highest one you could get. And oh, it's the lowest one you could get in our brain is what adds it adds that that, that specialness to it. Sure. The first and the last in the set. Whether you use a critical fumble rule or not, having the chaos flare happen on specific die rolls. It doesn't have to be one in 20. It could it be, be five and 15. Sure. It wouldn't matter. So I'm okay with that because wizards doesn't like the critical fumble rule. I'm okay with the way they wrote it. And I can still see it because even though you rolled a one and you may have done a terrible job of trying to pick that lock or whatever it was that you were doing, that doesn't mean that the universe which is the, the chaotic power of the universe is what you're channeling, failed too. So if it chooses to express itself when you really F up too, maybe it's laughing at you. Yeah, I, and, I, and I, I agree, but I, would, I wouldn't say laughing at me is giving a member of my team a pretty solid boost in power for the next round. All right, you're not wrong. But my other feedback on it is I think there needs to be more juice in the chaotic flares. I think a D4 yeah. isn't enough. I think it I, needed more. I think more. there need to be more, exactly, yeah. And yeah. they could have some that aren't as beneficial I'm not sure you got to go all the way to negative because I'm honestly starting to lean towards wizards. I'm going to be honest. I really like Josh. The I rolled a one. So now we both roll a D6. And when we match, that's when something really bad happens. Yep. I think confirmation, I'm, I'm yeah. leaning towards going in that direction as my only fumble rule. Yep. Where a one isn't a one anymore unless we match on the second die roll. Yep. Yep. All that to go ahead and say that I did also think that the ability to launch a chaotic flare basically as a bonus action was nice. I thought that kind of – that spoke to me more about someone that was channeling the powers of chaos right. than someone random. who was – But someone who was – exactly. Rather than someone that be. was merely just affected by them and going with the tide. Because that's what the other thing feels like. like I'm, I, like I said, it felt like wild magic. I'm swept up and just going down the chaotic river. Right. Versus, but that actually gives it a little bit of control. That's, nope, I actually have the power to go ahead and do the thing that I want to do. And it's going to be a little weird. And I'm not sure exactly what's going to go ahead and come up. But at least I can tap into it and I can channel it. And I thought that, that was hot. All right. Are there any honorable mention feats that we want to talk about here? There's a lot in here. And again, like not a lot of time to go in here. But lot, there's lots and lots and lots and lots in here. Just that there's a giant. lot of giant feats. And there was already a lot of giant feats. Yep. So the question of, did we ever determine if this is a rewrite of the feats from the first Giants UA or additional giant feats? Let's see, feats, an ember of the fire giant feat. Yeah, and so the original one was, 
You have resistance to fire damage, which is still the same. And then searing ignition, when you take the attack action, each creature of your choice within 15 feet must make a dexterity save or take 2d6 plus your proficiency bonus and is blinded. This is 1d8 in your proficiency bonus and is blinded. So it looks like they've scaled down the damage a little bit on these. But otherwise, these are clearly rewrites from the giant UA because they have the same name. <laughs> That's what I thought. I just hadn't had time to go back and do that double check. Thank you. Yep. Yep. And it looks like, you see, Fury of the Frost Giant, Resistance to Cold Damage, yep, that's the same. And then Resistance, and then that is a Wisdom Saving Throw or Be Frightened. This so. is Ice Creature Must Make a Constitution Saving Throw, and on a failed save, the D8s, cold and no Frightened Condition. So yeah. proof of the system, guys, all y'all yeah. out there, they do... Revised based on feedback from the they UA. do revise based on twice feedback, recently yeah. we've seen a re-released yeah. power one was a whole UA yep and or after the feedback so make sure you're filling out these surveys so that your opinion gets counted it yep. may not be your vote that got for how it got changed but hey yep they do listen this is proof we wondered now we know yep I will say that the one that I did not care for in the new rewrite was the uh, the keenness of the stone giant it's basically the one that allows you basically to go channel channel magic into a rock and then the rock becomes a magical thrown weapon and something about it just didn't resonate and i'm not totally sure what i wanted from it but that one just didn't it didn't sing for me and i'm and not just because they got dark vision also which i think is stupid but that's it's just like the whole i have a magic rock and i can throw it and it does damage but stone okay, so I can only create rocks. so many That's of them. That's like one of their weapon attacks, isn't it? Are they like infusions? If I create three of them and I throw one and I've lost it, if I create another one, is that one no longer magic anymore? Or can I only have created the three? I think it has the number um, of times it can be done. Do your proficiency bonus. But what happens if I lose one? What happens if I throw a rock and it go and it falls down the cavern? You wait till the next day to make a new one. Bottom. Okay, so I, I can't create more. Okay, fine. So that I don't throw the three that I created yesterday. Tomorrow I create three more. Do I have six? No, they'll stop working. That's what I'm saying. It doesn't state that. No, they do need to clarify it a little bit. Where it felt lackluster to me, I think has actually been answered now in this reread. I originally read it as you could only create one at a time. But now knowing that you can create all of them up to your proficiency bonus at once so that you have a fist, a number of fist-sized rocks that you can yeah. throw, because that's a long range, 60 or 180 feet. That's where the giant's coming in, right? Yeah. Then it's going to do a D10 bludgeoning damage, which is modest to solid. It's not just modest, it's solid. And it has to save or be prone. So it, it's cool for yeah. flavor, but yeah, I'm not sure I'd go for it. Yeah. And actually, now that I reread also, so the magic remains in the rock until you hit with it or finish a long rest. So that's oh, kind of, the long rest stops. At the end of the so long if rest, you, miss, right? so, you can run up yeah. to it, pick it up, and throw it again. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but how do, you identify, you how do you I identify have, your magic rock? If it's still got your magic in it, I'm sure you could tell. I'm sure you could pick it out from a pile of identical stones if it still contains your magic. Interesting. Let's get on with the spells, baby. Let's go on to the spells. Let's dive in here. So the final kind of chapter of the book here, the spells. And so, Mr. Miller, you sound awful, awful anxious here. Why don't you dive in? I'm just going to say I love spells. I mm. like new spells. Finding spells that can do different things is great. Card spells speaks to me quite nicely. Speaks so, to the feet. Yeah, I guess this is why I was w weirded out by the fact that the... Uh, the feat that you brought up, Glenn, didn't have Bard. Because if you take a look, at least the first two 
spells in this card spells list include bard spells. This isn't a card spell, though. Spray of, spray of cards is. Spray but... of cards and house of cards, both oh, are bard yep, spells. Fair enough. Yeah. Oh, no, you're absolutely right. Oh, because House of Cards is also an Artificer spell. I missed that. Thank you. Yeah. So two of these are, in fact, Bard spells. No, and, absolutely. I think we'll see that in the rewrite. And yet the feat for bar- doesn't include Bards. And I think that's yeah. weird. But I, that's something I picked out. But I like the fact yeah. that there's some new spells. I will say that I thought Antagonize was a great spell. Your ability to go ahead and hit somebody for damage, and then they immediately need to go ahead and take their reaction to go ahead and attack somebody else. As long as you don't have anybody on your side near them, that's a fantastic spell. Absolutely fantastic spell. Because it doesn't say that they have to go ahead and attack anybody that is opposed to them, just as that they have to use their reaction to go ahead and attack somebody in range. I thought that was just a cool, flavorful, neat spell. It's yeah. a, They have to attack a creature of your choice that you can see. Oh, even better. Yep. And but, it's but psychic third level. damage. This isn't a first or second level spell. Sure, yeah, yeah. And it's psychic damage, rarely resisted. So you're, yeah. as long as you're hitting, you're mm. doing your damage. Then I was wrong. This is a card spell. One of the material components is a playing card. So all of them are. I, spirit of death is you call forth a spirit that embodies death itself. Yep, so death yep, from all a tarot spells. card. The warrior spirit comes from the deck of many things. All these spells are derived from from the deck of many things that was, that's in, in the flavor text at the beginning and i thought that's also fantastic that's just really great deck of many things is one of my favorite things in the game all that to say go back to the new spell rule that that jimmy and matt from splinterverse when they came on the second time and they were talking about we were talking about new spells and how they didn't have any new spells in their book and we asked them why i think it was matt that said you know what when we create a new spell, we want it to be a spell that somebody would take over something else that they could already get. And as a result, they tended to stay away from them because the spell list is so diverse. Yeah, for Warlocks in particular. These are fantastic spells that are wonderfully flavored, that Mm -hmm. are kind of niche. They have like very specialized like applications and everything like that and take a very special character that would want these spells. And so combined with everything else in the UA where you get the card magic stuff going on with the feet, you've got all these kind of different things that are happening. I think the spells are fantastic in general. So I really like them a lot as well. I was surprised, I'm going to be honest, because most of the time new spells, they don't usually sing like this, but they're really good. The summon spells are great summon spells. And again, you combine the mechanical with the flavorful and you're getting, really ma- you're getting real magic. So, Honestly, Spray of Cards is probably my favorite spell on the list because it's an area of effect, 15-foot cone, that gives you options. Yeah. And I love that in a spell. I don't have to hurt. I could blind. If I'm trying to escape, I can throw a 15-foot cone that blinds people. Oh, yeah. But if I'm trying to damage people, I can throw yep. cutting cards like Gambit, though 15 yep foot cone that does two to ten points of damage i love the utility when they build it into a spell like that spells that can impose conditions yes please and spray of cards is a solid second level offensive spell with an area of effect which you don't often get at second level it's a hot spell second level that's like firmly that's in the middle of tier one as opposed to the third level spell with an antagonize and house of cards those are both tier two so it's getting it's giving you something that scales well if you upcast it you can cast it at a higher level to go ahead and do additional damage and everything like that really nicely placed a blade singer with spray of cards is amazing that could be cool blind them hit them you don't get the bard take the entertainer background it'll still rock 
Yeah, a spray card still is a whole action. I uh, could store it in a spell later. Yeah, I could, could store you, it in a spell yeah, you could, card. You, right, exactly. Yep. And then cast it as a bonus action. A constant ready to go, yeah. either escape or blazing razor funnel of yep. cards. In general, this 12-page UA article, there's a lot of beef on this hoof, and a lot of it is really good. We have looked at some – we've looked at every UA that's come out in the last – year and a half now. This is one of the better ones I think that we have seen. It seems more complete. I think that there's I think that there's the kind of there's the normal rewrite for English purposes or for readability purposes that are necessary, but I think in general what they have here the basis of these powers is very strong and very good. And it's the first thing we've seen that actually truly starts to hint at the possibility of a planescape reboot for a campaign yeah. setting. But I'm wondering if they're not going to actually make it that way, per se. Okay. I, think I mean, that's that the intelligence. Really gonna, the intelligence said it's Planescape. I think that they're leaning towards changing it from Planescape to being multiverse something. That's yeah. basically what I was going with that in terms of words. I don't think they're yeah. going to go. They may change the name. Yep. I, whether or not they call it Planescape, is, it, it might be up in the air. Right. But we had previously this discussed it and thought that we weren't going to get a place a Planescape reboot because we had seen nothing until now. Josh so. had mentioned that he was pretty confident the next one when the giant came out because that was a big feature of that discussion that it was likely to be Planescape. No, what I said at that uh -oh. point—that's actually what I was just alluding to. What I didn't say Planescape. I thought Planescape was a possibility, but what I really thought it was going to be was a boot of the Magic: The Gathering setting Zendikar because right. Zendikar features runes and giants. Okay. And maybe both are coming. It's entirely possible. Because yeah. the, the something in magic and the giant feats are from the last one. Planescape is a magic uh, has magic gathering stuff too. Yeah, um, I mean Zendikar is one of the planes of existence in in the like the, you get the planeswalkers and stuff like that. That's a Zendikar thing. And also, if you think about what happened last year at this time, is when the Mages of Strixhaven UA came out. And that heralded yeah. the Strixhaven book, which was also a Magic the Gathering port. I don't know. I'm still holding on to Zendikar, but. But I think that I think the common intelligence right now is that it's a more strictly Planescape book instead of specifically Zendikar or some other setting. Cool. Or uh, maybe they're gonna you know. mesh the two so that Planescape becomes a Magic: The Gathering site because as much things have been crossing over from Magic to D and D, there are things in D and D that have been crossing over to Magic. Yeah, that's definitely true. Actually, I mean, we saw that with uh, Straw. There is already like multiplanar stuff in. Yep. Magic the Gathering. I like where we're going. I like what we're seeing in here. This is really good stuff. The changes from the UA, some of them are good, some of them could be better. Absolutely. Let us uh, let us call it here, gentlemen. Next week on the show, we are in the middle of our next uh, chapter of the Patreon AP Arch Enemies. And uh, like Mr. Miller mentioned at the beginning, if you'd like to go ahead and play in our Patreon AP, you can go check us out at www.patreon.com slash ttjourneys and get in on that action. But on Friday of next week, we have our friends from the RPG Academy coming back. They're going to be coming on the show to go ahead and talk about their current Kickstarter to go ahead and uh, get the Academicon uh, convention up and running for this year. It's always a good time to go ahead and have Michael come on here. Uh, you may, have, may remember him from our the Action 12 Cinema AP from just a couple of weeks ago, having him and Chris in show to go ahead and talk about everything cool that they've got going on over at the RPG Academy. All right, gentlemen, good work tonight as always. Uh, always love to go ahead and talk to you uh, and everybody out there listening. Thank you again for helping us get to 15,000 listens. Really appreciate uh, all the support over the last year and a half and very happy to be where we are. But we couldn't do it without you, the listeners. Thank you so much. And Here's to another 15 going all the way to 30. Exactly. <laughs> so. Nice. All right, gentlemen. 
Good night to you. Good night to everybody listening. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And uh, go get your, uh, go read through the uh, Wonders of the Multiverse UA and make sure you fill out the survey. We'll make sure and throw out the survey link when it comes up. So until next week, have a great week, everybody. Thank you so much. Peace. Good night. Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. Join us at www.ttjourneys.com where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. You can also stay in touch by subscribing to our Twitter, at TT Journeys, by joining our Facebook group, Tabletop Journeys, or by sending an email directly to podcast at ttjourneys.com. And remember, if you want early access to all of our episodes, a chance to drop dice with your favorite hosts, and maybe even appear in one of our actual plays, you can join our Patreon to help support the show at patreon.com forward slash TT Journeys. You're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, or Audible. We would appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast on that platform. Full episodes come out every week on Saturdays, and every Tuesday features our actual play episodes. Thank you for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And in the words of another traveler along our path, we bid you shade and sweet water. Thank you.